Well, last week we were in the first six verses of chapter 10, 2 Corinthians, and we talked about spiritual warfare. And one of the things that we saw is that appearances can be deceiving, that with this spiritual war, there are things happening in places that we can't see, we can't perceive. And we also saw that the enemy can disguise himself as an angel of light, and you may think that it's one thing, and it's not. And Paul's going to continue on this thread as he continues this chapter, but he's going to switch from directly speaking against the spiritual war, and he's going to be addressing more specifically those super apostles that we've been talking about week in and week out. That's the undercurrent of 2 Corinthians. He's going to be addressing them directly and more specifically talking to the Corinthians about outward appearances, about things being deceiving, and about the peer pressure indirectly of those outward judgments. So let's go before the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to jump into verses 7 through 9. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, and more importantly, that your word is a revealer of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, Lord. And it's a discerner. And I pray, Lord, that that word would be speaking to us and revealing to us these truths, these things that we may think are one thing and they're really another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, verses 7 through 9 of chapter 10, it says, Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed, lest I seem to terrify you by letters. The first, well, I guess there's more than 1 Corinthians. I don't know why I'm calling the Corinthian church the 1 Corinthians. That's a letter. But the Corinthians have the same problem that America has, and that is the answer to that question in verse 7 is yes. Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? Yes, we do. Every day we are judging everything and everyone by its outward appearance. They say, how do you, do you judge a book by its cover? Yes, that's why they put covers on books for, so you can judge it. But what we see is what's being said that in 15 seconds a person decides whether they like you or not. That's what they tell you. In 15 seconds, that first impression. And everything is based on that outward appearance. For the Corinthians, though, it was just as bad as it was in the first century as it is now in the 21st century. Remember, the Corinthians were the seafaring nation. They had the isthmus where the cargo containers were going across, the tradesmen. They were rich. They had the Ithian Games there every two years, these Olympics. They have athletes. They're known for their orators, their they're known for their plays. They're known for their philosophers. They're rich, and they're powerful. They're like the New York or the L.A. of today. And they judged everything based on their outward appearance. The Corinthians were spiritually immature because of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. When we are merely or only judging the outward appearance and basing how we feel about ourselves based on that, we are spiritually immature, spiritually weak. And we can even compare that the world is a lot like the church and the church is a lot like the world. You see, the world judges the outward. They judge the wealth, how wealthy someone is. If they're rich, they're obviously got it together. 
we, we should listen to them. They're smart. If they're really healthy, if they're great looking, you know, the fitness influencer on the social media, oh, wow, we got to listen to this person. They got it going, they got it together. How popular they are, how many likes they have, how articulate, what a great speaker they are. You know, we have professors out there and we have some very articulate people on social media and they're on the TED Talks and because they're so eloquent, we listen to them and say, oh, wow, they must have it together. And how is it that in America, some person can memorize some lines and show some emotions on the screen? And because everybody's seen them in this movie, they're now a prophet of all things on how we should live our lives, how we should think, what happiness is. Excuse me? We judge things just merely based on the outward. My issue, though, is that the church does the same thing. How do you judge a church? We, many people judge churches based on how many people go to the church. If it's a popular church, they must have it going on. They must be closer to the Lord. They, that must be the way they do it. How big, how ornate, how nice the buildings are. How much stuff they have. How nice are the, is the artwork, the background. How many ministries do they have? How many evangelists? How many missionaries do they support? How much activity are they doing? Oh, that's how we judge things. Now, we, we can't take that too exclusively because the Bible says, by their fruit, you shall know them. But that being said, you can have all that, th- all that stuff on the outside and on the inside have nothing. Now, what is the substance, the reality? Because again, do you look at things according to their outward appearance? It says here that, If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. Are you in Christ? Are you a Christ servant, a Jesus follower, or are you a churchian? You see, when they were picking a king back in Samuel's time, The prophet Samuel was told by God, we got a king, a man after my own heart. He's a son of Jesse. Go to Jesse, tell him to bring his kids out, and we're going to pick a king. And Jesse got all of his handsome young lads, all of his sons were put in front of him. Not him, not him, not him, not him. Samuel turns to Jesse and says, you've got to have another son. Oh, no, I got one in the back, but you don't want that runt, that ruddy-looking kid. There's no way he can be the king. Well, call him out. And they call him out. And the Lord tells Samuel, this is him. Samuel's like, there's no way. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord doesn't look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. You may remember the Pharisees. These were the religious, the churchians of Christ's day. They knew the law. They knew the prophets. They memorized the scriptures. They were telling people how to live. And when the Lord speaks to them, now let's build the context here. The Lord, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who sits at the right hand of the Father, Christ, God himself in the flesh, the one that they say that they're serving, they come to him. And Jesus tells them, you think you search the scriptures. You think that you know God. 
the scriptures speak of me, they said. And then he called them something. He said, you are whitewashed tombs. Outside you're looking good. Outside you look great. But inside is dead men's bones. And when we were studying this, it made me think of the words of Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King Jr., he said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. It's unfortunate that it seems some in that movement want to go back to judging people by their skin again. But we should not be looking at the outward appearance, not practically and not spiritually. If anyone here has convinced himself that he is Christ, let him consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. You see, a churchian, a churchian comes to church, comes actively, worships. They're involved in the outreaches. They're involved in the church. Maybe they're serving. They're praying for people. But they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't know him. And outwardly, you'd say, wow, this person really loves the Lord. They really know Him. They, that person's really got it going on. I can tell you, not because I'm a prophet, just statistically speaking, that in here there's enough people that one or two of you are faking it. It is a charade. And sooner or later, the spiritual warfare, verses 1 through 6, is going to come, going to test you, and it's all going to fall apart. Again, I'm not a prophet. If you feel convicted, that's between you and the Lord, because I'm just guessing here. That'd be like me saying, I feel like someone has a back problem in here. Yeah. (laughs) I know. There's just enough of us that, yes, we know. Not a prophet. But if you convince yourself, are you a Christian? The Lord knows your heart. He doesn't look at the outward. He looks at the inward. The issue is, What Paul said to the Corinthians in the very beginning, that first question, do you look at things according to outward appearance? The answer we know is yes. Yes, we do. And we need to be careful with this. Now, Paul continues here in verses 10 through 11 when he says, For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that... What we are in word by letters when we are absent, such will be also in deed when we are present. That is what I call spicy Paul. I like that. It's like, I'm the same guy here as I am when I'm going to be there. But what does he say here? This is what their comment is. Oh, yeah, he says these powerful things, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. Paul's image is the exact opposite of anything that you would want in the Corinthian culture. He is not strong. He is not handsome. He is not even an articulate speaker. Think about that. You see, in a, in a culture that was based on poetry and speech writers and athletes and businessmen and tradesmen and soldiers and all this outward stuff, Paul is a forsaken Jew from the nation of Israel. And he's not even a good speaker compared to the orators of that day. But how do we judge a pastor? How do we judge spiritual things? Well, he better be articulate. He better be popular and charismatic. That's the person God uses. That's not Paul. That's not Paul. But what did Paul say? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he told the Corinthians, he said, And I, brethren, came to you, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, that's man's wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. 
For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Verse 4, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's focus on this for a minute. But your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. But what are we judging? The outward appearance and the wisdom of men. And what we see is, is not always what it appears to be. Let me give you an example. Sam Standerwick, 25 years old, was a fitness influencer. He worked out every day, had a perfect diet. If you look at his photos, he is a picture-perfect example of health and prosperity and influence. But unfortunately, when he was out with his friends in Liverpool in the United Kingdom, he was found dead in his hotel room at the age of 25. Now, it wasn't drugs. It wasn't anything like that. Unfortunately, the, coronary report, the coroner's report put that, said that he had a 70% blockage in his heart. He died of a heart attack. The outward appearance is not always what it appears to be. I've already called out some of you. I don't know which one of you it is yet, but you're faking it. Outwardly, you look great. A picture of prosperity, picture of someone that's great looking. Okay, maybe it's not any of you. (laughs) But a facade, a facade. We do not want to be churchians. We don't want to go out there and represent Calvary Chapel. We don't want to go out there and talk about, quote-unquote, our pastor, our person, or comparing ourselves to others. We don't want to look at the outward appearance. But it doesn't matter if it's from grade school all the way to today's school and where you are in your family now or whether it is in retirement. We are always comparing and being compared to everyone else, and the peer pressure never changes. And that's why verse 12 is so important. We'll camp here for a little bit. It says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Comparing, comparing, comparing. Who are you comparing yourself to? Some of us here are comparing us to the kid. That family has kids. We don't have kids. My kids are like this. Their kids are like that. What is it about America that when you introduce yourself, it's, hey, what's your name? What do you do for a living? And why do we ask that question? Because you are comparing how respectable that person is based on what trade they're in. That shouldn't matter to the Christian. Why is it that we compare ourselves in finances? Oh, that person's so rich. They must be better than me. Oh, that person is so poor. They are not as good as me. What is it about this comparison? How many friends the person has or they don't have? Oh, nobody likes me. I'm sitting in my house by myself and nobody wants to call. Your phone works. Pick up the phone and call somebody. Instead of sitting there comparing yourself to someone that seems to be more, possible, uh, more popular. 
What is it about retirement? You guys thought it was over at retirement, but there you are comparing yourself to the person who's going on trips and the person who's not going on trips, the person who's golfing and the person who doesn't get the golf. It doesn't matter from the cradle to the grave. We're constantly judging and being judged by our outward appearances. Paul says, not me. Paul says, I'm not going to be judged by people who judge themselves by themselves because he's got a higher a higher calling. It's this constant comparison that brings so much stress. And the answer, the question again is, what are you comparing yourself to? We have brothers and sisters in this fellowship that have come from Venezuela or Colombia. And when you're in that time and you're back there, what is rich and what is not rich? You know, what does it matter if gasoline is 25 cents a gallon in Venezuela if you have to wait three days to get some? And you're, you have a completely different comparison. But then you come to America, and now you're comparing yourself to somebody completely different. And things that maybe you were excited to have, you're not so excited anymore. You came to America, you thought you were rich, and now you compare yourself to somebody else, and you think you're poor again. And then your family members back on social media are begging you for money because what? You're so rich. You're living in America. What are we comparing ourselves to? The same thing is true in the church spiritually. The question is, are you searching after the Lord? Are you seeking Him? Are you a Christ follower? Or are you a churchian? Are you like the world? Or are you like Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Made it foolish. How many times have you seen in your life that that actor, that actress gets super popular and rich and influential and then they crash and then it comes back up and everybody's reading it and it crashes. Same thing is true in business. Same thing is true in sports. I was watching uh, the news the other day and I saw this athlete that was untouchable back in the day. Now he's got court proceedings against him and he's like the scum of the earth. Nothing is new under the sun. The same thing was true in Corinth at that time. Remember, Paul is speaking to the church, and he's speaking to them about so-called super apostles who were saying, we're the professionals, and Paul's not that great. Paul, he's, he was a good start, but now you've got the professionals. Let's think about this for a minute. Paul, the apostle. Yeah, the Paul. The one whom Jesus personally appeared to on the road to Damascus and said, this is my chosen vessel to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. The Corinthians are like, yeah, no, not good enough. These guys are better. Again, Jesus himself appears to him on the road to Damascus and uses this man who's called, and they're like, nah, not good enough. Are you doing the same thing? Are you judging by the outward appearance are you looking at a church and saying, oh, yeah, this, is, this church, they've got it going on. Look at these ministries. Look at this building. Look at, this, look at how smart this pastor is. I love what Warren Wearsby put in his commentary. He said, I suppose more problems have been caused by people measuring the ministry than by any other activity in the church. If the work of God 
If the church, the work, excuse me, let's try it again. If the work of the church is the work of God, and if the work of God is a miracle, how do we go about measuring a miracle? In his personal examination of the seven churches named in, the Lord Jesus measured them far differently than they measured themselves. The church that thought it was poor, he considered to be rich. And the church that boasted of its wealth, he declared to be poor. What does Jesus think? What does Jesus think? Well, we talked about peer pressure. We talked about how it doesn't matter what age you're in, if you're in the church or in the world, because we judge ourselves by the outward appearance, we're constantly under that pressure to conform to other people's image. And yet I'm going to give you a couple of verses here. So if you're a note taker, you can write this down or I can give it to you after the sermon. But in Proverbs 13.20, it says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. We know in Romans 12.2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Galatians 1.10, For I, am I now, Paul says, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's Galatians 1.10. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33-34, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor. That's literally what it says. Check it out. Be a Berean. 1 Corinthians 15, 33-34. You see, over and over again, the Bible is telling us, do not be conformed to this world. Do not trust your own uh, eyesight. Don't trust what you see. Don't look at the outward. Because just like Sam, God rest his soul, who from the outside looked like he had everything together, Jesus said, he's coming to see me quickly. Because inside... His heart was not right. In his case, it was physical. For most of us, it is spiritual. Am I a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you remember those first few words there in verse 7? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider him this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. And I also want to point out, all the way back in verse 8, that Paul is saying all these things to the Corinthians because it says here, for edification and not for your destruction. He's not putting them down. He wants to build them up. He wants them to see through the facade of the super apostles because they're not going to die for them. They're not going to sacrifice for them. These so-called teachers, these so-called exemplars and examples of Christ were just fleecing the flock trying to get paid. And Paul, remember, I said, I like that spicy Paul. He said, the same guy I am in these letters, I'm going to say the same thing when I show up face to face. Same guy. Because Paul has that heart to serve Christ above everything else. He wants to serve God. Do you? Do you? You see, this is one of the reasons why in ministry or in the church, we don't just get rid of people because somebody else is better. We're not just working on the outward appearance. We don't trade people in and out like it's a football team any more than I would trade my spouse if I could find somebody better. I can't anyway, but I wouldn't if I could. And so the same thing is true of your kids. Are you going to train out your kids? Pick out a different kid. This one's not as good. You know, I'm going back to the trading block. I want a first-round draft pick. 
No, we would never do that. And we don't do that in the ministry, and neither does Paul. Because we are followers and servants of Christ. We want to be used. And it's not about just outward appearance. We don't run the church as a business. We are the, we are the body of Christ himself who gave himself and died for each and every one of us. No, I couldn't even look at her when I said it. I was going to get in trouble with my wife. Verses 13 through 16 says, We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. For we are not overextending ourselves, as though our authority did not extend to you, for it was with you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in others' men labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment." So Paul is not the boss. He's saying that even though he has the authority of God, which we've seen, he's not lording it over them. He's not a king. He's not a dictator. He's not making them do things. He's a fellow follower of Christ, but he is their spiritual father. Remember, he's preaching these things for their edification, verse 8, not their destruction. But at the same time, he's saying, I am not worried about these outward appearances. These other guys are boasting in their letters, boasting in their background and their appearance and their finances. I don't need to boast in any person. I'll boast in you, he says. I'll boast in you. But why? Because of the work of God in them, because of the gospel message, because he's a servant of Christ, not a servant of the church. He's a servant of God. He follows after God not after man's popularity polls. Stop chasing man's approval in your own life, whether you're in kindergarten or you're in retirement. Stop chasing after these things that are fleeting and fake and can disappear at any moment. Health, wealth, prosperity. A man came into this world with nothing. He leaves this world with nothing. And how somebody thinks about you or feels about you could change any minute. It's just as wrong as judging Paul on his outward appearance. Remember, he said he didn't have eloquence of speech. He didn't look handsome. He didn't have any of those things that they judged by and said, yeah, this guy's got it going on. But what did he have? The gospel, the power of Christ. He was chosen by God. And so do you. So do you. There, there are people here, you are losing sleep tonight because you are comparing yourself to somebody's career, comparing yourself to somebody in your family, comparing yourself to somebody, some mysterious fake person that you're comparing yourself to, and you're losing sleep, losing joy, contentment over it, when the only person you're to compare yourself to is God, to Christ, to Jesus. And Paul says he doesn't boast in anyone. In 1 Corinthians 3.21, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. You have God. Let no one boast in men. When you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be calling the name of your pastor. You're, you're not going to be, oh, Calvary Chapel, be with me. I gave you so many years. You're going to cry to Jesus Christ 
the Lord and the, the author and finisher of our faith, because he will lead you through the valley of the shadow of darkness. Nobody. I'm going to be stuck in traffic. I may or may not get there. But Jesus will be there with you. And he will take you places that no one can go. So stop boasting in the things of the appearance. In that moment, you are going to care little what your 401k says. You're going to care little how big the church building is you went to. You're going to care about none of those things. You're going to care about, am I ready to see Jesus Christ face to face? Am I going to heaven for eternity? And all the other opinions of man count for nothing. So why do you let them count now? Now, that being said, let me give you a caveat here. I cannot come up here in a clown suit with a little red nose and a wig on and say, well, you can't judge by the appearance. You're spiritually weak. No, I have now become a hindrance. And so we do know that by their fruit you are judged. So I don't want to get in the way, but I also don't want those appearances to be the focus You see, if I'm serving the Lord and I'm representing the Lord, I don't want to get in the way of the Lord as well. And so I can't say, well, Paul didn't come in excellency of speech, so I'm not going to teach anything. I'm not going to study, I mean. I'm just going to come up here and wing it and let the Spirit lead because, you know, I don't come in excellency of speech. No, I'm now getting in the way of the Lord, and I'm testing Him. We are to be servants of Christ to be boasting in him and not in man. But you could come to me after the service, oh, that's, that message was so powerful. Well, we don't boast in ourselves. We say, oh, praise God. You don't know if, if my house was a wreck and my life a nightmare and I studied for a, an hour, or if it was great because I studied for 16 hours. Because it doesn't matter. It's the message that matters. It's the Holy Spirit working through His Word. And so we don't want to boast in the tool or the vessel. We want to boast in Christ alone. Where does it say that in Scripture? Verse 17. In verse 17 here it says, But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but the, whom the Lord commends. Whom the Lord commends. Two things I want to look at here. We don't glory in Calvary Chapel. We don't glory in our pastors. We don't want to glory in our history. We want to glory in Jesus Christ. He gets all the glory because he's the only one that's going to be with us in those times that really matter. We want to be Christians, followers of Christ, not churchians. And we want him to receive all that glory. Number two, but whom the Lord commends, his is the only opinion that matters. What does the Lord think about you? Well, look at the words of the Lord and how we're to compare each other. In, in the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 10, the apostles and disciples are just like you and I. And so they go to Jesus and they say, we want to be at your right hand in the throne room of God. In the kingdom, we want to be up there in the top. We want to be first. And you've also, if you have read the Gospels, you've read about the apostles arguing over who will be first in the kingdom of heaven. You remember that? Because they think just like we do. But what does Jesus say? First, he tells them only the Father has the authority. But then he says this in Mark 10, 42. But Jesus called them to himself and he said, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. 
and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. If there's anyone who didn't meet the outward appearances, it was the Lord. The King of kings, the Alpha, the Omega, the ruler of all things, through whom all things consist, dying on a cross. They said, look at him. If you're a king, come on down. If you're a king, jump off off that cross. You're not a real king. You're nobody. And yet, he was the lamb slain from the foundations of the world. Now, I want to be, though, I want to be whom the Lord commends. Forget what you guys think. What did, what did Jesus say? What did the Lord say about Job when he entered the throne room? Behold my servant Job. When Satan entered the throne room, let's get the Bible story right. Satan enters the throne room of God and has a conversation with God. And God says, behold my servant Job, a righteous man. Can the Lord say that about you? Or how about the centurion, the Roman centurion, the enemy of Israel? It says that Jesus marveled about his faith. Does does the Lord marvel at your faith? Does he commend you? You know, we could fill this place up. We could get a huge building. We could all be like, ah, look at Calvary Chapel. It's the most successful church out there. It's amazing. The worship's awesome. The children's ministry's on point. The sermons are articulate. The production is perfect. The camera angles are awesome. Man, they really got it. And Jesus could say, the heart is like the heart of Sam. Looks great outward, but inward leads to death. And that doesn't mean that we could be terrible at everything, and then now suddenly the Lord's impressed with that. No, what impresses Him is a heart that seeks after Him. Only the Lord knows your heart. He knows if you're faking it. He knows if it's a facade. He's counted every hair on your head. He knows your thoughts afar off and has numbered them. He knows every intimate detail of you. You can't hide it or fake it. Is he commending you? Are you a Christ follower? Or are you a churchian? Only Christ knows. But you can turn to him if you are. If you are out of whack, if you are looking to the peer pressure, if you are looking to the world to get commended by people, you're in for heartache. But if you turn to the Lord, He will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. Let's pray. Lord, we we want to be more like you and like Paul. We want to have the right comparisons, Lord, and we want to be sincere followers of you. We don't want to only look at the outward appearance, Lord. We want to have pure hearts that are seeking after you. We want to be on fire for you. And we pray that your word would do as we prayed earlier, Lord. Just reveal the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. And we pray that we would be people that you would commend. We thank you for these words that you put on Paul's heart to edify us and not to destroy us, to build us up, Lord, and to help us to see what is real and what is fake. And So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you need prayer, come on up. We'd love to pray with you, share with you. We have brothers and sisters available. God bless you and have a wonderful week.